This is the Statman Sports Podcast, where we keep topics in context. This is your host, Steve Duffus, who is still wondering why the Seahawks didn't run the ball. Ah, welcome to episode number 79 of the Statman Sports Podcast. This is your host, Steve Duffus. Today I have a very special episode for you guys because the guest today, she's a graduate from the University of California. She has worked in baseball in various levels and different capacities from Division One to currently in a Major League Baseball. You know, she's done the Arizona Fall League. Um, she's worked with various organizations. She also owns her own blog, Cheap Little Swing, which will, she will be talking about during this episode. She also got invited to a special event called Take the Field, an inaugural uh, MLB Diversity and Inclusion Department invite. So she's going to talk about that with us as well and dive deep into what's going on with Major League Baseball. You know, she has major, major accomplishments. She even wrote on her blog a highlight about Billy Martin, a baseball life. And she has a profile filled with so many things. She's a brand ambassador for new era mlb shop and fanatics and many others so i can't wait for you guys to listen to this episode for those of you who are tuning in for the first time thank you for showing that support and those of you who've been there since day one i thank you so much so with no further ado let's just get right into it with bridget mulcahy so guys aside from her impressive resume that you guys already heard you know the most interesting thing about bridget is the fact that she does make ice cream. Bridget, how, how, how do you honor that ice skill? Cream. How how about <laughs> making that ice cream? Because I know I've been following you on Twitter for a long time and all of a sudden I've been seeing baseball tweets and then I see ice cream. What about that? I know, yeah. It's either it's either usually one of the two. Um, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. Um, yeah, but it's always just something that I've really loved and it's been part of like my family and um, cooking and baking and all that. I'm a half Italian. So, um, it's something that I kind of just like grew up like loving to do. And, Mm -hmm. um, I live in California. It's so hot here. Um, and you know, between here and Arizona. And so, um, it's something I just kind of, you know, started doing and just kind of rolled with it and started making different flavors and kinds and experimenting. So it's been really fun. Yeah, that's awesome, man. You know, sometimes sometimes it's good to see the other side of people because, you know, when we're on social media, people tend to project only what they want everyone to see. But it's so nice to know that, you know, you do baseball, but you also do the extracurricular. And it's cool because I love yes. ice cream. So <laughs> it's great to see all the flavors you put out there. It's awesome. It's awesome Thank you. What, what is your favorite ice cream flavor if you had to pick one? My, my favorite ice cream flavor? I'm yeah. a simple guy. So I just go with either strawberry or vanilla. I'm like, I'm, oh, that's good. Yeah. I'm I'm an easy guy to please so (laughs) so that's how it goes we know from you know from the introduction you know when I read off you know your entire career pretty much you know one of the things that stuck Uh out to me is aside from the fact that you do all this work you know for major league baseball you know for even from division one college you know you have your own blog the cheap little thing the cheap little swing blog yes you know and there's a lot of things that you write on there but I, I want you to you know go a little deeper with to our listeners to let them know you know what what is the purpose of that blog sure yeah I started cheap little swing about two to three years ago um, and I was just you know a baseball fan at the time but I really wanted to comment and give my opinion on some of the current topics in baseball um, 
some of the rule changes that were happening at the time within the game. Um, and I consider myself quite old school. I collect baseball books and memorabilia. I'm really into vintage baseball items and such. And I love learning about the history of the game. Um, my grandfather was a baseball player himself back in the day and is from New York. And my mom as well is very um, into baseball history. And so, um, yeah, I just kind of started from a love of that and it grew from there. And I, I felt that there was a need and a space within the baseball world um, and journalism world for something like my blog that was very unique and different. And I don't typically cover just, you know, the regular news cycle, um, mm-hmm. but I look for different stories to feature. Yes, and you know one of one of the most interesting ones that I I didn't I wouldn't necessarily say I read everything in detail, but it was uh, the Billy Martin the Baseball Life, you know. Yes, yeah. You talked about that, you know. So I, he, it's so fascinating that you know a lot of people don't even know who that is. Actually, you tell the folks who's Billy. Yes, Martin. yes. Yeah, or people know very little, you know. So I wanted to give more of an in-depth look at his life and his career and. Um, you know, it's very interesting and he's such a colorful man and, you know, manager and he was a great manager and, you know, one that I think deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. But a lot of people don't know all of his achievements mm-hmm. um, that got him to where he was. So I wanted to recognize those and talk a little more in depth about his story. So um, I think I did, you know, the story justice and I hope, you know, everyone enjoyed it and I got a lot of great feedback on it. So I'm super happy with it. Yeah, that's that's great. You know, always getting good feedback from you know anything that you do. You know, it's it's a confidence booster to let you know you know you got to keep moving forward. You know, and speaking of confidence boosters, you know, also um, one of the things that intrigued me about you and really wanted you on the podcast is you know the fact that you you dealt in the Take the Field conference with the MLB and you got a special mm-hmm. invite from them. So you know, the, talk to us about that. Yeah, so I was actually scouting. I was helping to scout during the 2018 Arizona Fall League in mm-hmm. Scottsdale, which is really, they call it like the hidden gem of baseball because not a lot of fan, fans attend it. It's a mainly a lot of scouts and insider baseball people. So I was there doing that and I saw this application online for the first ever conference that they were doing at the that winner's winter meetings in Las Vegas. And mm-hmm. I thought to apply, but I didn't really think anything of it. I thought, you know, I don't have a ton of experience like in scouting or outing or in the baseball world. And, um, you know, I didn't, you know, have any connections at the time really. So I just kind of applied, you know, out of the blue. And then I ended up getting a call and like an interview back back. And, um, I ended up getting to be one of the 60 women nationwide, um, invited to the conference and they placed every woman in a different program based on what their interests were. And so I was in the scouting and player development group. So, my mentors were people in the game from uh, GMs to front office executives, um, people like Billy Owens um, from the Oakland Athletics, um, and a lot of other great people who were able to teach me um, how they got to where they were and um, just really great like leadership and network- networking opportunity for me. Yeah, that's, you know, it's quite interesting, you know, just listening to you, you know, go over this. It's like you talk about scouting, like what, what's so intriguing about scouting to you? Because you said they were separated into groups. So what's what's, yeah. what's that part to you? I just think looking, I am, um, you know, really interested not only in how like sabermetrics and analytics plays into scouting now, but also the intangible qualities that scouts look for in players. Um, it's always really intrigued me how, you know, just players you can... Uh, players are developed from uh, when they first enter a farm system to when they get called up to the majors. So 
Um, you know, I really wanted to get an inside look and learn all about what they do and how they look at players and the different things that they look for. I was learning about, you know, pitching mechanics and what to look for when a batter is up there, um, going from one side of the field to the other to see all the different angles of their swing and such. And so just really like the nuances like that, that scouts like look for. And um, there's also a big people side to it as well. And, a, um, mm-hmm. um, you know, getting to know the actual player as a person um, and, you know, making that relationship with them is very important as well. Yeah, that's, that's very, you know, interesting. And I know the listeners will enjoy that aspect because, you know, sometimes when we think about scouting, including myself, you know, when I think of a scout, I'm like, ah, oh, this guy or this, this woman is probably just sitting on a bench someplace is looking at somebody swinging a ball, pitching a ball, fielding, and they figure out, oh, okay, this guy looks MLB ready. But of course, it's more to that, obviously. You know, you know, yeah. if you talk about the advanced analytics and all this. And, you know, it leads me into, you know, something that I picked out of one of your tweets on June 13th. It says, I guess baseball is still more old school than most of us think. What does it say about all those numbers that are crunching up front in the office? That's what you wrote. This is what your tweet is saying now. You're saying advanced analytics just aren't enough when you're up against an opponent with a clever game plan. And you wrote a blog article about this. So so talk to me. Walk me through this. Walk me through this. Yeah, that was to do with, that was um, a tweet um, from a quote of my article about the recent cheating scandals that have been happening, not only with the Astros, but also with the Red Sox and the Yankees and the technology that is used now to steal signs and such. So my point of that basically was, you know, there's a lot of cheating been going on in the game since, um, you know, for over 150 years since baseball started, there has been, um, you know, ways of cheating, whether that's just stealing signs the old fashioned way or now, you know, using more advanced technology and such. But, um, you know, with such an emphasis on analytics, sabermetrics and, you know, in scouting and player development, looking at all these numbers and hiring, you know, analysts in the front office. Um, what really good is all of that if at the end of the day to gain an advantage on your opponent, you know, you're going to have to cheat to win, essentially, is what I'm saying, you know, is that, right. you know, it still comes down to those old fashioned kind of, you know, tactics of in-game strategy and like trying to figure out, oh, you know, this manager is going to do this or I'm good. We're going to have to steal the signs here to be able to, you know, um, gain an advantage in this game and win. And so like, you know, just my point with that basically was like maybe analytics and all these numbers aren't as important as we think that they are. I think that they're important and they have a place, but Mm -hmm. um, there's just such a huge emphasis now. So I think it just makes it creates more of a conversation. It makes you think like, wow, maybe they're not as important as some people think they are. Right. And, you know, one of those people is me. And, you know, based on this podcast, you know, when I started this podcast, not just in baseball, to talk about baseball, every other sport, you know, one of the things that I've always explained when somebody asked me about the podcast is that, you know, I don't want someone to just read a box score and think, oh, well, that's what happened last night. Because a box score tells more than just a score. You know, it lets you, like you say, for scouting, it makes you analyze the player. It looks into, the, you know, the nuances of how, you know, the, the swing mechanics, you know, the swing speed, you know, ball speed, you know, that high eye coordination. You can see a lot of those things from analytics. So my question to you would be, even though a lot of, there's a few people like me that think analytics is very important. How do you think analytics has affected the game of baseball in general? I think it's taken away a lot of the human aspect of it, not even just analytics, but now going towards, you know, umpire technology and robo-umps that they want to implement. Um, I think 
the game of baseball, the human aspect is so important. Um, you know, I've, I've also written an article about some of the changes Rob Manfred wanted to make. Um, and he did, in fact, with the pitch clock. Mm -hmm. Um, if you've looked, looked into that or read into that at all, but you know, I've always said like clocks don't belong in the game of baseball and, um, you know, it kind of creates its own flow and pace of time. And I think to just, to change that, um, and kind of put that to the side, um, for either, you know, reasons like money, you know, greed, other things that can take over, um, you know, like someone like Rob Manford who wants to change the game for those reasons, I think. Um, it really hurts the game a lot, but mm -hmm. I think there's a balance, you know, whether that's in scouting um, and, or in other aspects of baseball. I think that technology certainly has a place, but I think we should always remember and try to preserve the integrity of the game as well. Yeah, you know, you absolutely make a point there. And, you know, that's why I think a lot of times when we, we tend to get in any type of sports discussion, a lot of times we tend to look at one side and don't look at the other side. And, you know, and a guy like me, even though I can, you know, explain and, you know, argue the analytics, you, the point you made is very, very astute and clear. Like, there's also the human side to this. You know, it doesn't matter how much analytics you put out there. If a guy can't swing the bat <laughs> the way he's supposed to, he's not going to get anywhere. You know, no matter what the analytics say. You know, so it makes it makes a lot of sense what you're saying. But I want to transition into this, Bridget. You are a big baseball person, obviously. So how are you feeling currently not having any baseball whatsoever? And especially now since we heard the news that this, these negotiations are not going anywhere. How do you feel yes, about it's this? Been, it's been very frustrating and it makes me really sad that, you know, selfishly, obviously, that I can't go and cover games and be out there. But um, just for the players as well and everyone involved and the minor league employees and employees of these organizations, you know, I've covered... Mm -hmm. Um, the Sacramento River Cats for the past two seasons and I've lived there my whole life so I've been around that team and organization and so it really hurts that those employees from like announcers to game day staff you know aren't able to um, get paid for doing their jobs and that we aren't as a community able to come together in all of our cities to watch baseball so it's a shame but I'm hoping um, that something will get figured out soon here and that um, we will be able to see baseball soon yeah, absolutely. You know, and I want to read off, you know, a piece of a quote, you know, not just for you for us to have this discussion, but also for the listeners. If you guys haven't been paying attention, like I always say in my podcast, I always say if you have if you lived under a rock, this is what's been going on lately. The Major League Baseball Player Association asked MLB to sell a schedule for the 2020 season rather than counter the latest run to play proposal by the league. So practically, guys, what you know, what this is saying is that. The players decided, hey, Major League, tell us when, when, so we can start playing baseball. Because just like Bridget said, she herself is annoyed. She wants to get out there. So I'm assuming the players, they're in high gear. They've been practicing. They want to get out there as well. But this is a piece of statistic, Bridget. I want you, you and I to discuss, right? Because this is quite important. And this article that was written about this proposal, it says the league's last proposal to the players was to play 72 games with 70% of their full propated prey guaranteed and up to 83% following the completion of the postseason. You personally, how do you feel about the players wanting to fight to get 100% of their money? Is it more about the money or is it more about playing the game? How do you feel about this? Yeah, it's a, it's a difficult um, subject and I, you know, I understand and try and see it from both sides. Um, I don't feel like I'm really qualified to like talk about it, but mm -hmm. I do feel that, you know, that they should be played, paid for every game that they're out there. And, um, you know, I think for the love of the game and for what everything has been going on in the country that, 
you know, it's just important to get it back. So I think both sides should compromise. And I mean, the players like certainly have, but, you know, I think, you know, the owners as well should um, think about that, you know, the bigger picture. Right. You know, but it's I, hard I, when there's so much money involved. Yes, so. absolutely. And they were saying they were saying that the, the here it says the total of 1.5 billion was the highest offered by the MLB, but it still fell short of the full rate the players were asking for. So this is, you know, it's interesting to me because I was reading an article last week that's saying, and this is completely out of the baseball range. It was talking about how the NYPD they cut their budget. But about 10%, mm-hmm. and that 10% was about $3.7 billion. So to me, it was mind-blowing because I'm they were complaining about this. I'm like, wait a minute, $3.7 billion and you're complaining? Are you kidding me? It, so it's the same yeah. initially when I felt about baseball. I'm saying to the guys, okay, I guess you're getting paid for what you are playing for. So if you play 70 games, you get paid for 70, but they want mm-hmm. 162 even though they play 70. So I'm not sure yeah. how that played into that. So that, that's why to me it was kind of interesting. And obviously, like you're saying, to you it's more important to have, you know, baseball because of the time we're in right now, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that, that to me, it's one important point. And then the other important thing to me is, and I also want your take on this, and I'm sure the listeners would like to hear that from you. Um, in this article, it also talks about the parties not having to actually reach an agreement about how they're going to do health and safety. And Mm -hmm. one of the biggest things right now is that. So how do you see that playing out? Yeah, I mean, we're seeing a little bit of a second wave, I feel like, as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's going to be interesting to see how, you know, they try and come to agreement on terms with like health protocols, because if, you know, players start testing positive or things like that, it could, um, you know, get a lot worse. But yeah. I think it's it's going to be difficult, just like the fact that there are no fans being able to watch the games and come to the stadiums when so many other aspects of our life are returning back to normal and we're right. able to go to restaurants now and bars and things like that. But yet, um, you know, we won't be able to do that. So um, it's a little bit, yeah, of a sticky and weird situation right now in terms of timing. Yes, coming absolutely. back from the virus yeah yes and and it's quite interesting you know and i want the listeners to share just a little insight with you guys you know bridget and i were talking before you know we started you know the the interview and she mentioned to me how she really felt about you know coming back to baseball you know and i felt that bridget so share that part with me where you told me you know or give more detail into when you told me it it didn't make sense to you that we can't go to the baseball stadiums but yet we can be packed up in bars and other places yeah, yeah, just because, you know, in, on whether it's my home city of Sacramento or in Arizona, but um, a lot of the regulations have been lifted now. And um, I mean, I'm happy about that for my own business and everything in the restaurant industry. I'm super happy that we're able to return to doing that and businesses can open. Um, but, you know, when you're seeing a lot of these people gathering and, um, you know, there are protocols still in terms of masks, but some of them aren't followed and such. So um, it's just interesting to see that aspect of life returning but then you know the the stadiums at least to what we know right now will still be empty for all of these baseball games and um you know i understand there's a lot that goes into it in terms of like the staff and um you know attendance these stadiums are huge but i just think that they maybe could make it work to where they could have maybe a certain percentage of capacity for fans i i did hear a thing um, earlier, this was before maybe, you know, recent numbers with the coronavirus, but Texas was going to allow 
um, I believe like 25% of capacity at their sports stadiums or something like that. So um, I think maybe if they looked into doing something like that, um, that would maybe, you know, please owners as well a little bit more, Um, you know, if they were able to get some, you know, revenue from tickets of any kind or have any kind of normalcy return to the baseball season. You know, I just think it's so hard to think about baseball returning without fans that, um, you know, all these other things now are coming up and the fighting between the owners and the players. And, um, you know, but I think if maybe fans were allowed, it would ease some of that tension. Yes, absolutely. And I think, I think, um, you know, like we're seeing all the other, you know, major sports are coming slowly because right now already soccer started in Europe and the way they're doing it right now, I don't know if you've been attention, but I'm sure some of our listeners mentioned this to me where they found it pretty funny how the TV stations at the, at the arenas are playing like actual background noises of previous games of the crowd. Oh, really? <laughs> yes, they're playing it on the, on the broadcast so you can actually feel that there are actual people in the stadium. So it baseball could also do something like that, possibly. But again, it's not, like you mentioned, it's not the same having that human feel, that human touch, you know, having people, random people in the stadium just screaming, you know, the player's name, their favorite player's, you know, name. So it's it's a whole different Exactly. Field. The atmosphere is so important. And I, I follow soccer a lot as well. Um, I'll have mm-hmm. to take a look at some of these like games. I haven't recently that since they've started back up, but I have followed like the Premier League um, mm-hmm. since I was young. My dad's from Ireland and we um he's like a liverpool fan and then we always have loved chelsea and man united so those were like Mm -hmm. our teams but soccer is like huge you know for like fans you know stadium noise and um you know some of the loudest and like most raucous crowds for sure absolutely you know bridget i want to transition into this um you talked about having other businesses and uh, you know at the beginning i also mentioned to, to the listeners about you know you making you know ice cream Right. And we <laughs> yeah. also you also mentioned you, you have catering going on. So you cater to people. So what what is that? How do you, you know, tie that with baseball? Like, how do those two things go together? Are they separate or are yeah. you using it for something else? <laughs> I try and combine them sometimes as best I can. Sports and food do cross over quite often, especially when you're at the stadium, you know, or at home watching a game and such. And so. Um, I do a lot of like food and like sports crossovers and try and make like themed stuff for games and whatnot, depending on what season it is. But um, yeah, I've just they've always been two of my biggest passions, like cooking and baking and sports mm-hmm. since I was young, like I mentioned earlier. And so um, I've been lucky enough um, to be able to cater yeah, a lot of different events for family and friends and just um, in whatever city I've lived, whether that's in the Phoenix area or in Northern California, um, to really help celebrate people's special moments and life events, whether that's a bridal shower, if they're get, if they're in, newly engaged, you know, baby shower, birthday parties, just things of that nature. So um, I've always loved entertaining and coming up with ideas to um, help, you know, celebrate those moments for people. Yes, and um, one of those things is also... Um that you mentioned is like you want to use baseball as well to and then this is on your profile you mentioned that you want to use it as you know a way to reach out to the unfortunate youth for those who have less and yes I, I found that I I think that's one of the greatest things any human being can do because um, one of the biggest issues we have in society as a whole and even in baseball you can see it sometimes the older players don't take it upon themselves to you know try to you know help the younger players to grow and become something to better the league as a whole 
you know so it's quite impressive to me that you take the time to want to use your platform to want to help the, the the less fortunate yeah yeah i've always tried um to do what i can and i worked for the giants in san francisco in 2016 um with their program um and their community fund they do a lot of great work in the community in the bay area but specifically their junior giants program um serves families um in different communities across northern california so i was in charge of their west sacramento league and mm-hmm. what they do is they set up a baseball league for children in um under underserved areas and um low income areas and it's a f- completely free baseball league the whole summer so they provide all the equipment um uniforms everything like that they even get to go to oracle park on game days they got to meet buster posey they get a new glove it's like a really really great program um and this summer unfortunately it was canceled um but they do have an online um if you go to um jrgiants.org they have um some online content this summer but um that was a really great just way to give back for me and um to be able to serve people who are like less fortunate but also do it through the game of baseball which makes it even better. <laughs> yes, absolutely. You know, to your passions like you said, you know, baseball helping out people and food. I mean, that's like the triple combo right there. That's the best thing to do. You know, everywhere there's food, people are there. <laughs> so, <laughs> exactly. That's a thing. And guys, by the way, Bridget it's also I forgot to mention this in the introduction where she's a brand ambassador by the way. You know, she does Wilson Sporting Goods, Dinger Bats, Fanatics, New Era, MLB Shop. I personally love myself some New Era cuz I wear hats all the time. So yes, know, they're awesome. <laughs> yeah, so she's she's also a, a brand ambassador for that guys. I'll also leave, you know, links in the description of this episode where you guys can get all this information as well. So Bridget, before I let any of my guests go, I like to play this game. Okay? And this okay. is the part where I actually put you on the spot. And my listeners know this cuz I ask the tough questions, okay? Three <laughs> questions. Three questions. So here comes the first one. Okay. Snickers or Twix? Snickers. Why? <laughs> um I do actually bake a lot with Snickers. I've actually made like Snickers cheesecake, Snickers cupcakes. I've maybe used like Twix or a few times, but I just always that's like my go-to. Snickers is like good baking. So pro tip from from me right here. <laughs> okay, great, great. You heard that, guys. All right, second question. Should Barry Bonds be in the Hall of Fame? No. You no, heard that, I don't guys. think she so. Said, <laughs> she said no, and I've been I've been advocating yes for it for years, but she said no. Is there a reason why? I feel like no? that could be. I feel like that could be a probably a whole entire episode. I have, you know, I I see both sides of it, and like sometimes my opinion like has shifted over the years and such. But um, you know, I just think I don't know. There there's just so much to unpack there, but. Um, Yeah, I think I I take like the I've been to Cooperstown multiple times and to mm-hmm. the Hall of Fame and like I said I'm very old school when it comes to that kind of stuff so um I think just like the purity of um the whole aspect of being in the Hall of Fame is like yeah very important to me so yeah okay. but <laughs> we'll see we'll see if he ends up I know he's you know a lot closer than he used to be in terms of getting in so um you know I feel like he if he gets in that will open up the door to a lot of others as well Absolutely so now comes the last question this is the tough one this is the boat question and my listeners love the boat question All right so you're sitting in a boat in the middle of the ocean There is Carl Ripken Jr to your left All right and then uh-huh. there's Derek Jeter to your right 
if the boat is sinking, <laughs> who is going to save you? Gosh, uh, that's a tough one. Um, I do love Cal Ripken Jr., but I have always had a love as well, uh, for the Yankees, besides the Giants, just from my grandfather um, and, you know, loving Yankee history. So I would have to go with Derek Jeter. Mm. Is there a particular reason why you think Derek Jeter would do that? Just because you've been a fan or is it something about it? Um, gosh. Yeah, I just feel like because of the Yankee history there and I just feel like I would have faith and confidence in him too. <laughs> All right, to save well, us. Yeah. Well, there you go, guys. <laughs> the tough questions were asked and Bridget passed the test. She answered them all. <laughs> so that was, that was amazing. Bridget, thank you so much, you know, for taking the time to be on a podcast. You know, I appreciate it so much. I enjoyed, you know, converse, conversing with you. So I hope you enjoyed it as well. Yes, thank you so much. I had a really good time and you had such unique questions to ask me and um, I really enjoyed it. So thank you. Ah, we've come to the end of another episode. That's episode number 79 of the Statman Sports Podcast. Man, once again, I want to thank Bridget so much uh, for giving us that tremendous insight as to what's going on in Major League Baseball at the moment. And of course, guys, I hope you guys enjoyed it a lot. And hopefully we can do this again soon. But before I let you guys go, you know what the deal is, man. If you already have not hit that subscribe button, you can do that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever your favorite platform is to listen to podcasts. Also, you can leave your review on Apple Podcasts. You can also visit our store, Statman, store.statmanpodcast.com, and you can read all the notes for the show on statmanpodcast.com. Thank you guys for the support, and I'll see you next time. Statman, signing out, baby. Thanks for listening to the Statman Sports Podcast. See you next time.